What else are you going to do? I, I guess, When, yeah. like, an orphan baby in a basket has your name on it. I guess, I mean, yeah, I guess the welfare system in this small town is not very, you know, well-developed or you know, whatever. It's like, yep, here you go. Enjoy. <laughs> you made it. You take care of it. Yeah. Have fun. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Steam Powered Movies. This is a podcast about steampunk films hosted by me, Mike Frederick, and I'm here with my co-host. Hello, I am Dana Frederick. I am a steampunk writer and a podcaster and, you know, just myriad of things. Person. Yeah. My, Great person. Yeah, I'm a human. Yeah. Also. <laughs> oh, yeah. Too. Also human. Mike, also human here. I uh, just want to clarify that up front. It's just that like my list of identifiers seems to be growing. Yeah, yeah. Um, mine's mostly human, but you know, uh, also podcast and music producer. You're and a podcast. Some of the things. Yes, I am a podcast. This is this is going really well. <laughs> this is going well. Well, uh, welcome to the listeners for tuning in to hear these two humans speak about a movie. So good. Yeah, and the movie we watched. This time is the film from 2007, Stardust, starring Claire Danes and Charlie Cox, uh, narrated by Sir Ian McKellen. And based on the novel by Neil Gaiman. Yes. Uh, So Dana here has read the book, so she'll have some background on that. Indeed. And we just watched this movie. Look at us. We're getting better. When we did our very first podcast, 20,000 Leagues on the Sea, I had not read the book beforehand. This time, I very specifically wanted to have read the book first. Doing homework. Yeah. Yeah. So adult. (laughs) So, yeah, we talk about steampunk movies. We're going to talk about this one. We're going to talk about what makes it steampunk, how steampunk is it, Um, some of our favorite things, some of our least favorite things, some general thoughts. It's It's like a fun pub talk. Yeah, we yeah. Did, we did a little research, but we're not like super movie critics or whatever. We're just having a chat. Yeah. So, um, thanks for tuning in to to our chat. Um, but Mike, what is steampunk? I always am the one who defines it, so I feel like you should define it this time. Okay. So, so for any new listeners who are unfamiliar, what is steampunk? So, um, the best I understand it, it's Victorian era style and time period, usually with some futuristic kind of technology but based in steam power so you know like a spaceship powered by steam or an airship powered by steam uh, those kinds of things how how to do that'll work that'll work okay close enough we'll take it there's lots of gears and like rivets and metal but steam powered things and engines yeah um so this movie stardust Mm -hmm. we just watched it indeed uh any just general thoughts? What'd you think of it? Um, I mean, it's funny. This okay, if you know me, this is gonna come as a bit of a shock, but I actually like the film better than the book. Oh, okay. That never happens. Wow. Ever. That's high praise. I know. I'm there the book is fine. I think I actually I just really don't like Tristan's character in the book. He hmm. uh he is a peeping tom, which is referenced in the film. Yeah. They say like uh what's his Henry Cavill's character? Yeah. Whose um, name I've immediately forgotten. Humphrey. Humphrey. Yes. A good name. Um, uh, Humphrey. Any Humphreys out there? You got a good name. <laughs> anyway. Um, so, yeah. He he references it, which kind of feels like a little bit of a nod of like, we know this wasn't good in the book and we're just going to kind of call it out. Hmm. It's it's one of those pieces that like, oh, this has not aged well. This 
this this bit in this book has not aged well. Yeah, that that surprises me because in the movie it seemed it was like a taunt. It was yeah, like no, making fun of him. Yeah, no, he wasn't being a peeping tom exactly. in the movie. He was just throwing pebbles at the girl's window, a la um, say anything or whatever. Yeah, and is like just trying to chat with her. Yeah, he was just trying to get her attention. You know, and mm-hmm. that's what you do. You throw rocks at the window. Small ones, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Don't break any windows. Don't break any windows. Too, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> so, and he was he was trying to get the attention of Victoria. Yeah. Who he thought thought was the love of his life. Yeah. Um. But one thing I do want to say right off the bat. So I listened to the audiobook of this, or I list, I read the audiobook, and I will stand on. I will die on the hill of audiobooks are reading, but that is a that is okay. a uh, digression. Um, and there was an interview in the audiobook recording of Neil Gaiman talking about this book, about how it came about, da da da. And he specifically said that a film was made of the book and it made him very happy. Yeah. Yeah. It well, it's a good film. It's a great film. I I really liked it. My mm-hmm. general thoughts is are I love this movie. Mm-hmm. It's great. It's got a little bit of everything. It's kind of every genre, but in a good way. Like, you know, a lot of movies try to do everything. Yeah. And they don't really pull it off. Mm-hmm. But this one, it's got like fantasy and magic and action and adventure. It's funny, too. It's funny. It actually There's genuinely is funny. Romance, you know, a good love story. Yeah, like, it's fine. Uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty good. But like there is there's there's character arcs mm-hmm. and growth, like real like things. Um yeah, it uh, again a little bit of everything, something for everybody. I, th- mm-hmm. I think it's, I, I'm, I'm kind of shocked, like having seen it a few times now, that it's not like a more talked about, like beloved film. I don't, I don't get it. I know what you mean. I feel like this film kind of ran under the radar a little bit because it's just, it's kind of delightful. Yeah, but it's not really like one of those films that's super remembered, like either in its era or like in its genre or anything. Yeah, but it is delightful. I think, I think those who are Neil Gaiman fans. There might be like a larger concentration of people who really love the film. Sure. So I, I mean, I'm just guessing. I don't really know. Yeah, but I, I yeah, I don't really hear it discussed much. Maybe because it's not like you know, it's not something that like film nerds would be into. Because it's kind of like light popcorny kind of movie. It's delightful though. Yeah, but it never made the the splash of you know any kind of blockbuster film like a you know like a Jurassic Park or a top gun or lord of the rings lord, or something yeah something like that you yeah. know um yeah maybe something to have to do with some of like the high fantasy aspect of it fantasy movies sometimes kind of get pushed under the radar because maybe seen as like dorky or something like that and 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 some of that changed with lord of the rings you know and now game of thrones is huge but but i think still to some degree like those types of movies are seen as like kind of second class a bit. I know what you mean. And I think that that has changed a lot. Thankfully, I don't think there's this vast or, um, you know, kind of like rigid differentiation between like, Oh, this is dorky or whatever. Or like, this is nerdy because it's fantasy or whatever. I do think there are still people who kind of hold those ideas, but I don't think it's nearly as prevalent as it used to be saying that. However, there is still a little bit of like a, Oh, this is like a, like, at least in the book world, like this is genre fiction. Some people still don't like genre fiction. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely, I think, yeah, it's seen as like a genre type movie. I don't know. Maybe that's why I didn't catch on as much. I don't know. But uh, we Would think you it's say great. it was 2007? 2007, yeah. Eh, when it came I don't out. Know. Hard to say. But are there are like a million movies made a year, so who even knows? Yeah. I don't remember what the marketing was at this time. Like, I think in 2007, 
I, I just like graduated from college. So yeah, I don't really remember the marketing for this movie or anything. I don't know if it got a lot or whatever. Yeah. I mean, Claire Danes was the top build Mm -hmm. and I don't think she was ever like a big star. No, she was because, um, in high school she, uh, was Juliet in Romeo and Juliet. Right. And she played in, she played in something else that she was really big in, but I can't remember what it was. So, I mean, that was, Claire Danes was kind of having a bit of a moment. Right. So, yeah. I mean, obviously, yeah, to, to be cast as a lead in, in mm-hmm. any movie, you kind of have to be having a moment. But I, I don't think she was ever like a big like box office draw, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, definitely not on the level of like a like a Tom Hanks or something like that. Oh, my gosh. But, yeah. But but yeah, I don't I don't know if she was ever like an A-list mm-hmm. type type draw i feel like tom hanks is an unfair comparison though because like no completely (laughs) dude is just a legend yeah or even like uh like hugh jackman had a moment for a while where people were like really into hugh jackman they would show up to see his movies you know i think think people are still pretty into hugh jackman yeah but maybe that like i don't know if she even reached like that level maybe like flirted with that level but i don't know i'm not sure i i don't remember a ton i don't know she also played in the non-musical movie version of Les Mis. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. She was in something else at the time, but I don't remember what. But I really like her in this movie. I, I think she's really well cast for that that role. Mm-hmm. One, because she, she gets to play sort of out of place, sort of flustered, sort of... Fish out of water. Yeah. Just star out of the sky. Yeah. And, and she's really good at that. She's really good at playing like kind of manic energy type stuff where she gets to do that a little bit i don't think she has manic energy at all um, i think she's like she's assertive she like owns herself yeah like she she does have i think points in this movie where she doesn't have a ton of agency but i don't think that's well no i take it back there are a couple of points where like she's not really exercising agency when like i would have liked to see her exercise agency mm. um Mostly in the parts where, and we're going to, we're going to get to this obviously, but mostly in the parts where like Captain Shakespeare is kind of doing his facade and she's sort of being spoken of in like an objectified way Mm -hmm. kind of thing. And I I know like me, uh, again, I'm skipping ahead, but like me and that first mate have the same energy of just like (laughs) rolling our eyes at this situation, like at this facade kind of thing. And I think maybe Claire Danes is sort of doing that same thing in those parts of like okay we're just we're just going to kind of go through these motions whatever yeah yeah we'll we'll we'll, we'll get to that more in depth mm-hmm. but yeah that's definitely a, a thing we'll talk about but first one of the first things we like to talk about is the the steampunkness of the movie right that's the the theme here steam powered movies or yeah watching steampunk films um so for you dana what what is steampunk about this movie um, well, first of all, I, I think I kind of had in my head that it was more steampunk than I think it technically is. And again, this is being very picky, but I got like a lot more like kind of cottage core energy from a lot of the scenes and whatnot. And for anyone who doesn't know what that is. Oh, do you not? Oh, cottage core is kind of like, um, think like front lace corsets. Think like that kind of like medieval dress kind of look, literal cottages, um, like fairies and like fa- like fairs that are in fields and stuff taking mm-hmm. place. So okay. more like medieval fantasy like kind of stuff. Like Renaissance Festival kind yeah, of Yeah, yeah, yeah. Era, yeah Renaissance yeah. Festival is 
would be kind of a little bit more cottagecore, though. As soon as we start talking Renaissance Festival, it gets a little more complex. But anyway, <laughs> so like more medieval fantasy. Gotcha. That's kind of what I mean by like cottagecore. But of course, we have the part with Captain Shakespeare and his airship and his crew. Yes. Which is just uh, chef's kiss, steampunk. I love it. I want to be a member of the crew. Please sign me up. It's great. Yeah. Um. I mean, at the, in the very, very beginning, there's a scene where there's like a bunch of like telescopes and stuff that are kind of maybe. Oh, right. When like it says like some uh, young this young boy like wrote a letter to an. Uh, the Royal Society of something. Yeah. Science-y. Which I don't think. Did we ever find out like what it said? No, that never. And it never came back. I actually honestly forgot about it. I know. Because like I was like, there oh, was no I closure to that. don't really remember this part i don't remember like what the answer was because apparently like there just is no answer and we don't even know what the question was we just know like a young boy wrote a letter to an astronomer who thought it was like so silly that it might even be a prank but he ended up writing back and told the boy that his question was foolish oh you know that was it okay well now i can figure out what it is i bet it was somebody writing to say that a star disappeared from the sky and he was like no that doesn't happen but Except that it does. Well, it does. Eventually, as as stars die, eventually their light will fade. It'll take, you know, tons and tons of years. But that does happen. But there there was a reference somewhere in the middle where Tristan is talking to um, Claire Danes' character. I forget the star's actual name. uh, Where... Yvain. Yvain, that's it. Sorry, I was busy drinking wine. Where they're talking and... (laughs) As you do. And he references that she was like a prominent star in the sky like the not the north star but the there was some name he gave uh i could look it up i don't care to but i I think there's some reference that she was like a prominent star in the sky that's now no longer there oh i think that's what the letter at the beginning was referencing i missed it seems like some sort of like yeah it seems like an odd framing device Mm -hmm. or odd entry point but uh yeah weird that it never came back Mm mm-hmm Anyway, so anyway, all the telescopes and stuff, but mostly it's the airship. Yeah. Yeah. The steampunk airship. You, the first shot you see of the crew, they're all wearing goggles. Yeah. <laughs> Got the steampunk goggles They're catching going. lightning. It's Super cool. Extremely cool. Yeah. Uh, which, I don't know, I could have done with like a little more in depth on the lightning cap- catching, how so that works. this is a really interesting thing about the book. Their little stint with Captain Shakespeare First of all, I don't even know. I can't remember if he's even called Captain Shakespeare, but it's literally like maybe two pages long. Really? It's extremely short. No way. Yeah. And it's like basically like they're getting from here to there. That's it. Man. Yeah. No, they they change things from the book quite a lot, but I don't think it's a bad thing. I think in this case, like it made the movie really like even more enchanting. Yeah. I, th- I feel like that's to me at least and the first time i saw this movie that was like the turning point in the movie to me like oh okay this is doing some interesting stuff you know it's throwing some curveballs but then this time i noticed that that's where like a lot of the character development happens Mm -hmm. or in those scenes you know tristan kind of grows up and like learns to sword fight and he has like sort of a another mentor figure Mm -hmm. um you know and that's where like the feelings for him between him and Yvain, like kind of kind they of really solidify. kind of start to blossom yeah yeah so yeah, it feels like a really important scene i yeah in or scenes in the movie so yeah that's weird that the book was just like oh yeah they were there for a minute yeah no like i said they changed quite a few things from the book i mean like i think these things are they're good for the book 
But I think that the changes were for the better as far as the medium of film goes. Mm-hmm. Like, for instance, um, every single year, a fair comes to the other side of the wall. And just um, during the time of that fair, people can cross the wall into fairyland. They can shop and, hmm. you know, buy from the fey folk and whatnot. And so, like, that was something that got changed. Um, they, Like I said, the, the part with Captain Shakespeare is much, much smaller in the book. In the book, I think... I think I think the way it just wraps up is much less like or at least it's just a lot quieter if I remember correctly um and like the curse on the uh the princess Una mm-hmm. is much different like it she's cursed until like a certain set of circumstances are met which of course come to pass in the telling of the book and whatnot and then like the ending is different as well Okay. Yeah. By the way now we mentioned ending uh in case you don't know spoilers we talk about spoilers if you haven't seen the movie, we're going to spoil it. So if you don't want spoilers, watch the movie first, then hang out with us. But uh, anyway, yeah. Uh, speaking of that wall. Mm-hmm. Though, oh, the ghosts aren't a thing either in the book. Oh, really? Yeah, no. And they're like such a fun part of the film. I know. <laughs> like I said, I think I think a lot of the changes that were made really served the film well. Yeah, yeah. So the the wall, first of all, like kind of the, the setting yeah. in the beginning. Um, we'll kind of go back to the beginning a little bit. The The wall... Is it effective? Is that an effective wall? It's like it's like five feet tall and there's a hole in it. I'll tell you what, an old man with a long stick is very effective. <laughs> I mean, I love that scene where he kind of like kind of knocks Tristan on his butt. Right. He's like, right. Ha-ta, ha-ta, da, 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 da. Yeah, but like the the youths of this town of Wall must the be youths. like youths. They must be the youths of yeah, this town. As they would call them then, the youths. Yeah. They must be like the most well behaved teenagers ever that nobody tries to climb the wall except once every, I don't know, twenty years. I, it is it is a thing in the book where like everyone just kind of like follows the rules. Yeah. Which yeah, okay, sure. Well, like that would happen. Yeah, there's some suspension of disbelief there for mm-hmm. that part. It's like this this very long, very short wall. And mind you, so in the movie it's just this um very salty, delightful older gentleman who is guarding the wall. It's just him. But in the in the book, they have uh teams of two that are just they kind of like draw lots and they are randomly mm. picked to protect the wall. And that is a lot of trust just being put into two randos from the town. And I, like Tristan is put on guard duty, like in the in the going of the book. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's more I, I like it more than it's just like one dude. And it it is funny though. It's funny to me that there's a hole in the wall and instead of fixing the wall, mm-hmm. they just post a guard. It's yeah. Like, yeah, that's what you do in this small town. Well, like I said, it makes sense if that if that fair comes every year for there to be a passage. But you're right. Like in the movie, like they just they just leave it, I guess. <laughs> which which is kind of hilarious, though. Yeah. And this and so many things hinge on, you know, people sneaking through this gap in the wall past this one guy. And mm-hmm. it's 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 pretty funny but i did find it interesting that like yeah nobody else is sneaking around this this guard guy mm-hmm. just just the just this one family you know this one family that yeah they're the, they're the only ones who are kind of like bucking the system yeah but you know cuz they don't quite fit in uh-huh which is which is kind of a theme you yeah. know you, i kind of like that we got like a single dad situation in here <laughs> oh, like I, he was just like a like a chill single dad Although I really question the decision making of just dropping a baby on his doorstep when he's like, I don't know, 18. I mean, I'm not sure what else they could do because um, Una said, 
I would have kept you if I could. So it sounds like um, the witch, uh, Ditchwater Sal, did not let her. I get the feeling that like Ditchwater Sal made this decision for her. Yeah, no, I just mean on the part of the townspeople that like, oh, this this 18 year old has a baby. Yeah, Mike, just let him take care of it. Mike, yeah, it had his name on it. <laughs> What else are you going to do? I, I guess. When yeah. like an orphan baby in a basket has your name on it. I guess. I mean, yeah, I guess the welfare system in this small town is not very, you know, well developed. Or whatever. Just like, yep, here you go. Enjoy. <laughs> you made it. You take care of it. Yeah. Have fun. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, funny. I had forgotten rewatching this that the uh, the the mom character. Mm hmm was actually the princess because mm-hmm. she says she was a princess and yeah. i was like in the beginning this time through i was like wait is she a fae because of the like oh this will cost your all your memories before you were three or mm-hmm. um, no she is a fae in the book like tristan oh. is is basically half fae but again they, they've made a number of changes gotcha yeah yeah because i guess in the world in the move in the movie it's supposed to be like oh it's the 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 fae witch that's in charge of the thing the the stand that's charging these prices mm-hmm. um where i was like wait are you are you a fae these are kind of weird deals you're making here mm-hmm. and this charm costs a kiss yeah. i mean i like the vibe it gives it's you know this is these are like magical prices yeah no it's definitely cool and it mm-hmm. fits it's just uh i i'd yeah I'd, I'd forgotten that that's actually the princess of all the people the heirs that are named their numbers of birth. Oh yeah, I, I oh my gosh, I I love that family dynamic so much. Like terrible, terrible parentage. Oh, the worst. It's, yeah. Oh my gosh, encouraging I love it. murder. It's so good. And then like all the like, the ghost brothers just like hanging out until they're they're released into mm-hmm. I guess the peace of death or whatever. Yeah. I I love that. Like I love that whole dynamic. I love that like they die kind of in the way that they were killed. And so there's that one guy who's just like basically naked the entire time. (laughs) Oh yeah. It's so good. Oh my gosh. So undignified for all of them. It's hilarious. I like the one that gets pushed off and his face is all smushed. Oh yeah. His like, his face is just like, (laughs) yeah, no. Um, so I guess we're on to talking about our favorite things about this movie. Yeah. Um, There's so much. That was definitely one of my favorite things was the peanut gallery. Mm-hmm. All the, you know, the Statler and Waldorf of the of the film. Yeah. And they're like, oh my gosh, look, you got the necklace. And dude is just like talking like, oh yeah, and all this stuff. Like, here's just my life story, even though you totally didn't ask for it. And they're like, oh my gosh, dude, she is wearing the necklace. The, it's the largest in the land. Oh my gosh. And she's like, well, good for you. Yeah, and she's like trying to like politely back away. <laughs> Every woman, every woman has experienced this. <laughs> it was so funny though. That that thing that that's I think the comedy, the comedy it's, mixed in. It's, it's really good. Perfect. It's so good. And they don't overdo it with the peanut gallery ghosts, you know. Yeah. They just kind of trickle in here and there, and you you know different parts that you know. Oh, they're just kind of observing and throwing yeah. in comments, but it's not like every fifteen seconds joke, yeah. you know, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I feel like the the pacing of it is just right. Yeah. Like I said, I love I love Captain Shakespeare. I love his crew. I the whole like facade of being like a horrible person, I don't love because it it just gets into a, like a couple of like ooh this is very dark. It's very dark. Um, but like when he is like having his time by himself and he is just like living his joy, like mm. who doesn't want to hold a dance party for themselves where they get to feel fabulous <laughs> and whatnot? Like I was like yes yes my dude like live your joy. I am a hundred percent in support of you. And then like, I love it. Cause like his whole crew is just like, 
it's fine. You're still you. Like we we've known forever. Da da da. Right. It's not a thing. And it just it. I just love like that like pure moment of like found family and like we love you no matter what. Oh my gosh. I just I want to I want to be a member of the crew so bad. I kind of gave it away, but that that's like my favorite part of the movie Mm -hmm. is the Captain Shakespeare part. Mm -hmm. I really like the dynamic of uh. Like he's trying to keep, he's keeping up the face of the tough, like reputation and he's a ruthless killer. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's got all of these like workarounds to not actually hurt anybody. Like the yeah. dummy out the window, yeah. the, he's got all these systems in place to, to like keep up the reputation. Mm-hmm. And I really like the dynamic of like, they give it away in little hints and looks that the, at least the, the first mate knows what's up. Oh my gosh. Yeah. The first mate. He's like, like I said, same energy. Yeah. And the first mate is like, hint. I mean, he's. When the captain's talking in like a little higher pitched voice, he's like, <clears throat> and the captain's like, "Oh yeah, Arr. <laughs> like, like so." The first mate's like looking out for him, yeah. But in the end, you find out they all knew, like they all knew, yeah. And they were, it, it's kind of sweet, yeah, that they were like putting on an act for each other, yeah. Like even the crew was like putting on an act for the captain, who mm-hmm. was putting on an act for them, yeah. Like where does it even start or end? Mm-hmm. But um. But I guess it was all in service of like his general reputation. Yeah. Which I understand, you know, like you're in the world you live in. You kind of have to go along to a certain degree, you know. I'm not I'm not going to agree with that because I don't like I think that could have been done with just a little bit more sensitivity. But like it in, it was very much in like the right spirit of things. So I'm not really going to nitpick it that much. But there, there was a really good moment with the crew as well that I wanted to bring up with um what is it like when they get boarded by uh septimus's men and like the first mate kind of does like oh look i'm i'm just gonna like bow to you and then they use that as like a bait and switch where then they attack and it's just like a beautiful perfect pirate moment yeah that's just um i can't i'm not gonna say the word um that or you have to bleep it uh since we are trying to not have to have an explicit rating on this podcast (laughs) but in um uh what is it our flag means death where um uh, Captain Blackbeard, he calls it fuckery. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's just like one of those moments, and I just I love it so much. Like I want to be a pirate, <laughs> but I want to be like I want to be a pirate on like that kind of crew, a fancy pirate. You want to be a like he a gentleman a, pirate. Okay, Steed Bonnet is a gentleman pirate. That's right, gentleman pirate. Yeah. <laughs> no, this this yeah the Captain Shakespeare is the love. original gentleman pirate. I love him so much. Yeah um yeah him and the crew is all great i, I like that his introduction you know he does this whole tough guy thing and then they get behind the doors and he's like well, that went well i think yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh the, my gosh the, the whole like fake murdering him and mm-hmm. and all that stuff yeah yeah it was Sw- great switching switching subjects slightly i also got very strong hocus pocus vibes from the the witch sisters oh yeah yeah like not not like spot on and i'm not i i don't know if inspiration was taken from the Sanderson sisters, but boy, howdy, do they look similar? Like you have a blonde, you have a redhead and you have a brunette. They're not playing the same roles, mm-hmm. but they have very, very like similar vibes. Yeah. Were you allowed to watch Hocus Pocus as a child? I, have you ever seen it? I have seen some of it. I oh, no. don't remember. I know what you're talking about though. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway. Halloween is coming. We will, we will rectify this. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll do that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Add it to our list of things to watch together. Um, oh, one other thing on the captain. 
they threw in little hints. It, this is what things that amaze me that you said it's only like two pages in the book that because it's so fleshed out in the movie mm-hmm. that he's he's not actually hinted that he's not a very good captain at all. Except that's like I think that's part of like what makes him a really good captain is that like he not not that like he doesn't believe in himself. Like that's not what I mean, but like because he's not like he knows he's not that sort of captain. Mm-hmm. And I think not being that sort of captain is kind of what makes him a great captain. Yeah, but there's a one little part that I liked where he's steering the ship through the storm or something and he's like got the wheel and then at some point he gets off the wheel and one of the other crew members comes over and grabs the wheel and he gives a look like, oh, we made it through that. Like, <laughs> like I think, oh, I guess oh, like somebody competent is now steering. <laughs> I don't know that I would read that into it. I did. I thought it was funny. I mean, it's good. Like, but the crew is very clearly like they look out for each other. Like that was transmitted beautifully like when um captain shakespeare is dancing with a vane on the deck and she's like shining and she's all happy and he's like i know what you really are just so you know but then like she's scared and he's like nobody here's gonna hurt you don't mm-hmm. you worry like we got your back and like it's just it's so good like that whole like found family like we watch out for each other i love it i love it yeah. so much so one of my other favorite things about this movie mm-hmm. is is really just like tristan's arc um and it's really shown in the scenes at the window at uh, Victoria's window because mm-hmm. there's the one in the beginning yeah. where he's trying to get her attention and you know he thinks that you know she's the only girl for him and he's he's trying to to win her over even though she's going to marry this uh Humphrey character who later turns out maybe he's actually gay Oh they 100% hinted <laughs> yeah. at that yeah Yeah um but, it, you know, they're kind of like the the inevitable couple in town, mm-hmm. um, you know, and so Tristan's like pining after her and all this stuff. And then there's the window scene at the end, which is one of my favorite things, mm-hmm. where he comes back to, I guess, just to close the loop with her. Be like, yeah, here, I did this thing I said I was going to do. You know, I'm honoring my word. I'm bringing back a part of the star. But then, you know, Humphrey comes along and thinks he's going to, you know, shoo off Tristan again. And he's like on guard like i'm real deal he's now. got like a proper sword he's got a proper sword like he can defend himself he's confident like shows how much he's changed just in his his personality and stuff and then oh but right before that the conversation he has with victoria when she comes down she's like oh you know what i really want and like now she's lusting after him because he like is handsome and capable now and he's like yeah grow up and get over yourself like mm-hmm. i i just thought that was great just the arc of like it's what he thinks he wants the whole time, but then he like realizes. I mean, it's very, very much yeah. that like need versus want kind of struggle. I will say Tristan was not my favorite. He and this is not the reason why he's not my favorite, but he is very dumb. Tristan is oh. very dumb, at least in my view. I <laughs> okay. mean, like, some of it, some of it is just like naivete yeah. kind of thing. But I will say I don't really get his thing with uh, taking a lock of Yvain's hair because I think the idea was that like, oh, it's going to continue to shine because she was shining at the time. But I thought it stopped shining once it was uh, detached from her, kind of in the way Rapunzel's hair turns brown when it's cut off in Tangled. At least I didn't see it continue to shine. Maybe I just missed Saw. Mm-hmm. But like, and then I was like, this doesn't prove anything. Like I could take a lock of your hair and be like, I took this from Tom Hiddleston, like a creep. But right, right. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, that part is probably one of the the weaker like plot points. Mm-hmm. That he like sneaks off, you know, and then Yvain asks this drunk innkeeper. Oh my gosh. Like, 
that you're right yeah that's that that plot point's not the best like i mentioned while we were watching is like she is taking the word of this man who's drinking scotch at like seven in the morning he may not be the most reliable witness right right and tristan's not like no write it down Mm -hmm. he's like yeah i got you bro and it just kind of goes with it you could just you could just leave a note (laughs) yeah you could leave a note yeah that was probably the weakest point like i i get the motivation for tristan to want to go back and like like i said like close the loop with victoria yeah yeah like you know i promise this to you um here here's a thing but you know what um i'm moving on you know this is not my thing anymore yeah uh but yeah the way it led it's went sort of comedy of errors um for a minute yeah there um which leads to the the, and there are a lot of convenient things maybe i don't know if you count i'm we're supposed to talk about things we didn't like as much about the film maybe i'll say just there were a lot of convenient things happen a like lot what? of happy coincidences well and that's kind of just how these adventure films go sometimes like when they end up in the clouds mm-hmm. captain shakespeare happens to come by and scooped them up in a net i mean you got that he thing. is a lightning capturer you have um the the deus ex unicorn that oh, just yeah. shows up in the middle of the no- unicorn does just show up <laughs> that's true extremely convenient unicorn although i'm kind of here for it because like the fantasy novel like yeah and i kind of see it as like why wouldn't you have a unicorn show up to carry a star that's just like peak fantasy vibes and i love it well yeah i'm okay with it and then while so unicorn takes her away and then tristan's sleeping on the tree and the stars just talk to him just Mm -hmm. this one time they're like hey she's in trouble you should go do something just to like that's the only thing that pushes him forward i mean mm, okay i'll I'll grant you like it may not be like the strongest thing but i'm okay with it yeah no and again this is nitpicking like i'm i'm generally like okay with all these things but there there are a lot of convenient um things and then also at the end when she takes the word of the drunken keeper and starts just wandering off to her to her doom Mm -hmm. um the the princess mm-hmm. sees her walking by and you know chases after her yeah and she's the one that keeps her from you know walking past the wall yeah um sort of convenient but also believable that she's walking through this small uh fair area and yeah she is seen you know i like that she is going though like she is she's not just sort of aimlessly walking she like it looks like she's going to go confront tristan which i think is a thing that a lot of like rom-com type films do where like you know it's the you know dark night of the soul kind of thing the person is kind of aimless and whatnot and i feel like at least in this moment she i don't think she was aimless like she was going she's like i'm gonna go find him i know where he is she was clearly depressed yeah but she was going to find tristan yeah i i kind of wondered if she knew that if she crossed the wall that she would turn into a lump of i don't think she did i guess not no because like Una tells her, yeah. like, you will die. Yeah, she she didn't seem to be walking with the purpose of someone no, who was going... No, she wasn't angry. Like, she was very clearly hurt. Yeah. But I do think she was going to find Tristan. Okay. Because yeah, I don't know sense. why else she would go to Wall specifically. No, you're right. Yeah, that wouldn't make any sense any other way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, honestly, though, like, any, any of the, quote-unquote, like, critiques that i have about this film are very minor because i do really like it i do think the second half is much stronger than the first there's a lot of like setting up in the first half sure there's a lot of exposition but 
even even parts of that are, are really good. Like again, I love the family dynamic of like this incredibly toxic family that just like is murdering each other left, <laughs> right, and center. The king so is that even setup like, is great. The king is even encouraging. He's like, look out the window. Yeah, and then look where over you guys the window. Go. Like, Come on, shove him over the edge. Yeah, <laughs> and he's laughing when it happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, murder is funny in yeah. this film. <laughs> like that, that dynamic is just amazing. I love it so much. Um. I'm just going to throw out some other random funny things. Yeah. Because we mentioned there's some good comedy throughout here. Yeah, it's some great comedy. Um, When just the whole scene where Yvain is uh, confessing her love to Tristan when he's a mouse. Mm -hmm. One, that's funny. And then also describing love as strangely easy to mistake for loathing. (laughs) Thought that was a great quote. Mm -hmm. Um, The title, the name of the pub where they stay that one night is called The Slaughtered Prince. Right. Because that's something that happens there all the time. The princes are slaughtered. I think that might be a reference to that family. Yeah. I'm not 100% oh, it has sure. to be. Yeah. I, I think yeah. that like maybe the entire Fae Kingdom is Stormhold in this in this story. Well, the the that's the whole kingdom that we know of. Yeah, that yeah. we know of. Like where all of this is kind of happening. Yeah. It, yeah. You kind of get the idea that Stormhold is kind of this like bubble universe kind of thing Mm -hmm. next to england yeah pretty much (laughs) so and the king talks about that he was he had 12 brothers and he murdered all of them yeah so prince prince murdering is a pretty big business it's a big hobby yeah it's very common so the slaughtered prince is a perfectly Mm -hmm. great name for a pub um the animal revenge at the end which, oh yeah, that's right. I'd actually forgotten about that, and it was really nice to see. Yeah, I, I like I like that it it kind of offsets a thing that's earlier on that you're like, oh, this is really upsetting and disturbing, where they're like murdering these animals to read the entrails. Uh-huh. It's kind of just thrown in there and not really addressed very much. And but then, then it comes back. But yeah, but it comes back that yeah, you know, Tristan frees them and they get to have their revenge. Yeah. So I, I yeah I like closing the loop on that, mm-hmm. and then well, it also kind of addresses a thing. There's a line and it's like, it's so quick that like, you may not notice it. So it's the part where he and Yvain are hiding in a bush and he says to her and he's joking, but he says to her, like, do you honestly think I could kill anyone? Mm. And he isn't actually the one who kills anyone. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Because Septimus kills the one witch when Mm -hmm. he throws his sword the animals are technically the ones who kill the second witch, even though he's the one who released them. And, but the fair dues, because, you know, they've been sacrificing them to read their entrails the, like throughout the movie. Yeah. And then Yvain is the one who kills uh, Le- um, Lamia. Lamia? Sure. Michelle Pfeiffer. Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah. Um, I'm, I've butchered that and I apologize. Uh, but yeah, she's technically the one who kills her. Wow. Tristan never actually kills anyone. Yeah, well spotted. Cheers. Yeah. Another bit of small trivia. This movie mm-hmm. has ties to the last movie that we watched. Which one? And that is um, The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Really? The char- the actor who plays the brother Primus, who is the 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 kinder one. Oh, right. Uh, the benevolent one. The benevolent one. He's the one that plays Dr. Jekyll in oh, right. The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Yeah. That's right. I did see him on the on the cast list, mm-hmm. but I didn't I didn't clock it um, really at the time. I was like, oh, he's in this, too. Yeah. Yeah. So no, there's there's a great cast. 
Um, we were talking about how uh, Julian Reintut, who you didn't know who that was, but he plays uh, Ulyabon in the BBC comedy um, Welcome to Our Village, Please Invade Carefully. He was Cortis. Okay. Yeah. E. McKellen, narrator. Yep. Um, who's the other one? Oh, um, Mark Strong. Yeah, so yeah. Very young Mark Strong. Mark Strong. It was great as yeah. Septimus. He's just he's just a great like villain character. He's he's great in everything because he was in uh, Kingsman as well. Yep. As Merlin, and he's fantastic in that. He was honestly my favorite character in um, in Kingsman. Kingsman. Uh, same director as this movie. Uh, Matthew Vaughn. Oh, really? Yeah, he well, did. He that. did those movies. Um, as well as a few other films that I like as well. Like mm-hmm. he did uh, Kick Ass and X Men First Class. And layer cake. I think the one of the writers on this film was also a writer on Kick Ass. Yeah, yeah. You you do find that a lot in in Hollywood circles that people who work on films together like team up again later yeah, on. That makes sense. Like, hey, they, that was person was fun to work with. I'd like to work with them again. Yeah, especially like, and especially I think if things are good, like mm-hmm. if the things they do together or turn out to be, you know, um, good good movies, then I think that happens more often. Um, and yeah, those things he worked on, I, I liked a lot of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to point out my least favorite thing. Uh, do, do you have a least favorite? We haven't I gotten mean, to you yet. Just generally, and again, this is this is a little bit nitpicky because I think the spirit was was right, but maybe the application I didn't love was just like the um, like we're kind of uh, not even kind of like we're pointing at rape, like we're we're kind mm. of pretending that rape is happening, and that just, it doesn't it doesn't make me make me feel good. Um, but again, I understand like it's part of the charade and, you know, all that kind of stuff yeah. with good intentions behind it. So honestly, like, again, I'm I'm being nitpicky. If I had to choose a least favorite thing, that that would be it. Gotcha. Um, mine was Ricky Gervais. I love his part, possibly because like he gets his comeuppance. That's my favorite part of it. Mm hmm. But I did think it was a good interaction where Captain <sighs> Shakespeare is like, no, it's 200. Yeah, I don't know. I think the first time I liked it, I watched this film, mm-hmm. I liked it more. This time around, I feel like um, Ricky Gervais's presence just doesn't age as well because he didn't his way of speaking and his mannerisms mm-hmm. didn't fit the time, like the setting it's very much just Ricky Gervais being himself. I do feel to like me, Ricky, Ver- Ricky Gervais usually just plays himself. Right. I don't think he's got a ton of range, but I also no. like don't think that's his intention to have a ton of range. Like I think his intention is to just sort of play himself. Yeah, I, I just I, to me it felt like it dated it. It dates the movie a little uh-huh. bit to like the two thousands, the early two thousands, mid two thousands. Just him being in it and playing himself. Mm-hmm. I feel like if they had someone in there who was playing a little bit more of a character that fit the like, the I can see James Corden doing that. Yeah, maybe. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I I can't think off the top of my head like who would I put there in, instead. Mm-hmm. Um, but it it does pay off that like his character is annoying and dumb, and mm-hmm. and he gets uh you know he he gets uh he His gets comeuppance come in the yeah. end yeah he can only speak in animal noises and then um yeah then he is no more mm-hmm. so but yeah uh, I, I thought that was just the part that that didn't age the best for me i i will say it doesn't age well for me because at the time when this came out i liked Ricky Gervais and now he's shown himself to be a huge transphobe so i don't i don't like him at all anymore but then again like i said he he gets what's coming to him so i was like okay i can that, this, this works out yeah sidebar i do think his his comedy 
turned more into just being mean. Yeah. Like, and kind of the definition of punching down is just all he does. Yeah. Uh, seems to be kind of his whole entire thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So not, not, not as funny mm-hmm. to me. So, um, yeah. So we've kind of touched on a lot of things here. There's, there's just a lot to like about this film. I'm going to, I'm going to say one more thing. And I think that's the dynamic where, um, uh, Lamia, she curses Ditchwater Sal to not perceive the star in any way, shape, or form. Oh, yeah, it's great. And then, oh my gosh, and then Evane, like, shows up and she's like, you can't see or hear me, can you? And, like, just that whole interaction is very good. Mm-hmm. That is something that's from the book as well. And, like, I just love it. It's it's so just clever and it comes in so handy. And it's just very cool. It's not a thing that I feel like I've seen hardly at all, if ever, where, like, you have a character who is invisible to just one other character and it just it's done very effectively i love it yeah i kind of actually wish that that i i had a memory of that playing into more scenes Uh uh-huh it actually only really applies to like two scenes i think in the film where after the curse happens where she can't see her Mm -hmm. i kind of had a memory of it coming no it comes in three three yeah okay there's also a very very short sequence when captain shakespeare has just made the deal Ditchwater Sal walks through and just doesn't see Yvane. Right, right. Yeah, so it's brief there, but yeah. Um, but yeah, no, that's a great, great little thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I And I, I, as with, I think the whole like plotting of the film, you know, the, the convenient things that happen aside, mm-hmm. one thing leads to another very easily mm-hmm. um, as far as what drives the story forward. And I think it's, it's really well written. Um, obviously, the, the the book i'm sure was very carefully planned and plotted and everything sure but adapted very well to this mm-hmm. movie and uh it's super fun yeah yeah neil gaiman was happy with it yeah very uh, happy and i'm happy so i i highly recommend this film if at this point you haven't seen the movie i recommend watching it it is it is very fun um so with that recommendation, we're going to give some ratings Yay! to this film. So first, we're going to rate how steampunk is this this movie. We're going to give it uh, on one to five steam engines. Dana, what would you say? How steampunk is this movie? I do only think it's it's probably like, I'm going to say like two out of five steam engines. I almost said one just because like, I think I think pretty much it's just Captain Shakespeare and his airship yeah. and the crew. Yeah. But like, it's so perfect. It it's is. so good. I'm just, I'm going to go ahead and give it two out of five. Yeah, I agree with you there. Um, yeah, not a lot of steampunk to it. But, but what is there is just perfect. Yeah, and I, I think, to me, that's a pivotal part of the movie and mm-hmm. part, some of the best scenes. So, yeah, I think I think two is fair. Uh, but it qualifies. It qualifies. It has steampunk in it. Yeah. It's a steampunk film. We got it in there. Now, just rate it on your personal enjoyment. Um, you're on one to, one to five gears. Dana, what's, what's your scale? How much did you just enjoy... How much do you enjoy this film? I think, okay, this might be a little surprising considering how much praise we've given it, but I do think it's only like four out of five for me. Four oh. out of five years. Okay. Just because, I mean, I do love this film. It is very good. There's a lot to love about it. Um, but I did find myself a little bored and I, there's just a few places. Really? Just mostly in the beginning. Cause again, the beginning has a lot of setup, a lot of exposition. Hmm. Um, but I mean, it's it's a great film. It's it's a really fun watch. 
It's a delightful way to spend an afternoon, especially if you haven't seen it. And this is oh, possibly yeah. because I have seen it so many times. I need to just read the book too. So maybe yeah. some of the setup was a little bit of a re- rehash for you. Yeah. Um, well, for me, second time I'd seen this movie, mm-hmm. I'm going to give it five out of five top this hats. Is, not, is this only the second time? I think so. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Because I think we own this film. Yeah. But maybe third anyway i had forgotten a lot of it okay. so i enjoyed the the world setup and building in mm-hmm. the beginning and all the story afterwards so five out of five top hats for me delightful i highly recommend it enjoyed it great movie i think i've probably just seen it a lot more than you maybe that's it i think yeah. that's i think that's all there is well um can i say like i'm gonna change my little bit maybe like four and a half <laughs> yeah we're gonna get into like decimal places guys <laughs> oh no we're getting granular four and a half all right four and a half five it's a good movie um if any of you people listening have any thoughts on this movie or other movies you think we should watch for uh for this podcast um tweet it at us uh we're at steam powered pod on twitter um so send us your thoughts send us your suggestions Um, what movies do you think we should talk about yeah um you know maybe there's a steampunk movie out there that we don't know about um yeah tweet at us uh again at steam powered pod um we'll put it on our list uh maybe we'll give you a shout out if you recommend a film that we cover we'll shout you out also tell us why you think it's steampunk because there are some that have steampunk parts but maybe they're like really short and so it may not be immediately obvious that it's a steampunk film so be sure to like let us know what in the in the film you think makes it qualify as a steampunk film yes please do um and if again if you're enjoying this um please uh leave a review um maybe subscribe to this podcast uh and uh you know give us a rating on your itunes or definitely subscribe to this podcast yes please i'm gonna come in strong and say definitely do it (laughs) yes please do it definitely do it uh and we will catch you next time on steam power movies thanks for hanging out with us cheers goodbye All right, that's it.